Amen. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Before we begin uh, our sermon today, we received a prayer request from Jennifer Turner. Her dad is ill, and they've had to call 911 to take him to the hospital. So I'm going to pray for him now before we begin the sermon. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that you hear our prayers and that you know our need even before we ask. Lord, before, we come before you this morning asking you for Jesse, asking that you'll be with him, O Lord, as he gets taken to the hospital, asking that you will be with him, O Lord, to help those paramedics and the, that hospital staff to take care of his need, and asking you, O Lord, that you will touch him on the way there to help him to be well. We know, O Lord, that, that Jennifer must be concerned and worried for her dad and that Sybil must be worried for her husband. And so we just ask for peace in their hearts, for you to be with them, to accompany them during this time, and to remind them that Jesse's not alone, but that you're with him. We place him in your care and in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two men go up to the temple to pray. It sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, right? This is how the parable we read today begins. Jesus always told parables. This is nothing new, right? He always told parables. But what's interesting about this particular parable in the Gospel of Luke is that we are told exactly who the parable is directed to, who it is that it's addressing, that this particular parable is being shared with an audience in mind that is very targeted. Jesus says that, you know, we're told in Luke that this parable is for those in the crowd who thought they were righteous and looked down on others. That attitude of thinking that you're all that and that others are beneath you is nothing new. We see it all the time, right? If you've been watching football, which I do religiously every Saturday, you always see these young players that start arguing with the coaches on the sideline like they know better than the coaches what they're supposed to do. 
they're maybe 19, 20, 21, and they think they know everything by that point. We also see it in politics. How many politicians campaign on the promise that they're going to fix your life and they're going to provide everything you need and they're the answer to every single prayer and questions you've ever had? Or maybe you see it in business where you see people that are financial advisors that tell you that if you go with them, they've got the secret insight to just the right investment to make you rich. Never mind that there's a hundred million other financial advisors out there, but they're the best versus the other ones. They say pride comes before the fall. So here's the parable. It's directed to those who basically think that they've got everything figured out. They're already righteous. They're already right. They've already got everything. In Spanish, we have a phrase called, they have el saltén por el mango. They have the frying pan by the handle. In other words, they're not in the fire. They got everything under control. And the other thing is that they look down on others. Because they are all that, Everybody else is not. Because everything is a comparison. When you feel like you're all that, it's hard to see yourself with others because you feel that you're above them. You feel that you're superior. You feel that I don't need them. I love Spanish because we have great words for this. Chusma. Chusma is like the, the people that are no good. And in Spanish we say, no te juntes con la chusma. Don't mix with those people, you know, because they're, they're not good for you. But when you feel like you're all that, when you feel that it's all about comparing yourself to others, when you feel like you've got everything figured out, it's very hard for you to consider that you need anything from anybody else or any other source. So back to the parable. Two men go up to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee. The other one is a tax collector. These identifications tell us a little bit about each one of these men. The Pharisee is a person that studies the law and follows it religiously. It was a person that would have been trained in the books of Moses, in, in the five book, first books of the Bible, and in the Old Testament extensively. And they would have been a respected member of society. They would have been somebody that when they came down walking through through the market, people would look up and go, oh, there goes a good man. There goes a good man. He's a Pharisee. He's a student of the law. This man would have had the respect of his peers because of the way he conducted himself, the way he dressed. He was dressed apart, let's be sure. He would have been wearing his nice robe with all the appropriate tasseling and decoration and everything. I mean, he was, he was dressed for the part. The tax collector, on the other hand, would have not been very popular. How many of us have good buddies that are IRS agents? Anybody? If anybody ever introduced themselves to you as, yeah, I work for the IRS, you'd be like, ah, nice to meet you. Please don't audit me. Because we don't like tax collectors, right? We don't like taxes, so we don't like tax collectors. But back then, it was even worse. Because tax collectors were collecting tax for who? For Rome. They were collecting taxes for the occupying forces that had taken over the region and were over the Jews. 
And so these people were not just seen as not likable. They were seen as traitors. You're working for the enemy. You're collecting their taxes. You're doing their dirty work. If that wasn't bad enough, tax collectors had a reputation for skimming a little off the top. So if you owed 100, they would be like, nah, your bill's really 110. And if you don't pay up, I've got these two Roman soldiers behind me that are going to take, take care of you. They'll see you out. And guess what? People despise them because of all of these things. And so these are the two people that are going up to the temple to pray. They're doing, going there for the same exact purpose, to pray. But they're two very different people. Despite their differences, we can glean a lot from their identification as a Pharisee and a tax collector. Both of them want to pray to God and talk to God. Both of them recognize that the temple is the place you go to pray. Both of them have set apart time for this endeavor. So in those senses, they're pretty much the same. The difference comes when they actually open their mouths to pray and when the posture that they assume when they pray. The Pharisee stood by himself. I don't need nobody else. Stand by myself and pray this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I'm glad I'm not that guy. I'm glad I'm not him. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. I mean, if you listen to his prayer, it couldn't be more self-centered than that. He mentions himself five times and mentions God once. I, 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 I. Folks, if we are praying and our prayers are full of eyes and not enough of praise God's and thank you, Jesus, then we got to check our prayers. Because God is not Santa Claus. It's not about requesting and asking all the time. It's about recognizing who we're talking to. This man just kept going on and on about the things he did and the things that other people did and the comparison between the two instead of talking to God and really recognizing that God is good and merciful and great and loving the incredible thing is that those watching would have agreed with him. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a good giver for, for the temple. He gives a tenth of all he gets. They would have agreed that they knew he fasted because back then, when the Pharisees fasted, they would put on long faces, they would, they would get whitewashed faces, and then they would walk out in public so everybody could tell they were fasting. He fasted twice a week. We don't even do that. Twice a week. He didn't eat. You see, many Jews fasted on the second and the fifth day of the week. Do you know why? Because on the, on the, uh, under, under understanding of what happened with Moses, Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the law on the fifth day, and he returned on the second day of the week. 
And so they decided that those were good days to fast in remembrance of that. And so they would fast those two days of the week. But those who wanted extra credit, and let's face it, Pharisees were always for the extra credit. They didn't fast on those two days. They fasted on Monday and Thursday. You know why? Not because of any religious significance. Not because God had done something special on those particular days. They fasted on, on those days because those were the market days in Jerusalem. And there was more people from the countryside coming to, to trade in the market. So when they got themselves disheveled and looking like they were fasting, they had a bigger audience to watch them come through the market. Yes, I am fasting. Thank you for asking. Yes, indeed, I have not eaten today. Praise the Lord. They did this. They picked days based on what? On how many people are going to see that I am doing this so I can get what? Credit for it. Let me tell you something. If people give you the credit, you don't need it from the Lord. You already got your reward. They were doing it for the wrong reasons. And so this Pharisee that is speaking, he, he's speaking because this is what he did. He fasted twice a week. But he did it so he could gain recognition to show others his piety, to show that he was such a good believer and follower of the law. And he was a giver. He gave to the temple. But you see, earlier in Luke, Jesus has already debunked the idea that it's all about giving. He has explained through the widow's might that it is about the heart of the giver when we give. That it is not the amount you give, but the disposition of your heart when you give. And so even that just falls by the wayside. Now contrast that with the second man. The tax collector, by contrast, stood far off. He didn't even want to come to the front. He didn't even want to come before everybody. He just wanted to talk to God by himself. He just wanted to stand there in God's presence. The scripture says he couldn't even raise his eyes up to heaven. He's looking down at the ground in reverence. And his prayer was so simple as shocking. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the scripture says he beat his breast. And, and the, the Greek word that is used here for beating his breast is an active participle. It means that he didn't just do it once. He kept doing it. He kept doing this as he prayed. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. There's no mention of his deeds. There's no mention of his accomplishments. There's no mention of his offerings or his tithes to the temple. There's no self-justification of saying, you know, I've done some wrong, but these are the good things I've done. There's no comparison of himself to anyone else that's there praying. He simply falls on the mercy and the compassion of God and recognizes that he is a sinner in need of redemption. He kept expressing that 
in such a way that it was clear that the sin that he had committed grieved him to the heart. You know, sometimes we sin and we just kind of make light of it or excuse it. Oh, Lord, you know, I'm only human. You know, it's okay. you know to, to be human is to err, to make mistakes. Or, you know, I'll do better next time. But this man was not like that. He took his sin seriously. He took the need to come before God seriously. He took the mercy of God as something that was real, something that was attainable through faith, not through deeds, not through anything he had done to deserve it. And he demonstrated that in the way that he prayed. To go back to the sports analogy, there are players out there that think they're so good they don't even need their team to win. You know, they don't need the coach. They know better. They don't need the team. You know what happens to those players? If you follow football, you know. They get traded and sent on a plane to another team. <laughs> Why? Because that team can't win with them because they're not part of the team. They're just, they're up there on a pedestal. They think they're all that. They don't need anybody else. The Pharisee in this story thought he was like no other man. He said, I'm not, a, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a tax collector. I'm not any of these things. I'm better than them. What's interesting is that the tax collector also thought he was like no other man. He thought he was the worst sinner. He thought that he had done so much wrong that he needed God's grace and forgiveness. He thought, I can't make it another day without God being with me. When the Pharisee prayed for mercy, he was asking God to justify him through all of the things that he had done. You know, God, I did this for you. I did that for you. I gave up this for you, so you got to do for me. For him, it was more of a barter system. You know, I do for you and you do for me. But for the tax collector, he was asking for an atoning that can only come through sacrifice. Lord, I know I don't deserve it. Lord, I know I can't do anything to earn it. Just have mercy. Have mercy on me. It's interesting that the tax collector never compared himself to anyone else. He didn't try to take credit for any good that he had ever done. He doesn't mention one single thing that is good about himself. Sometimes we need to understand that holiness is not a comparative holiness. That it's not about comparing yourself to someone else to see if you're good enough. It's not a bear run. You know what a bear run is? You just have to be faster than the other guy running away. <laughs> it's not like that when it comes to faith and holiness. You've got to compare yourself only to Jesus Christ. And when you compare yourself to Jesus Christ, you realize that we all fall short. Every single one of us needs mercy, needs grace, needs forgiveness, needs atoning. True humbleness is seeing ourselves as we truly are. Sinners in need of redemption and of forgiveness and of grace.
throwing ourselves in the mercy of God. You know, when people go to court and they know that they're guilty of something, at the end of whatever they share about the case, they always end with this phrase, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. You know what they're saying? I know I did it. I know I'm guilty. I'm asking for mercy, which is not earned or deserved, but a gift. That tax collector understood that if he was made righteous, it was only going to come through a gift of God that was given to him and not something that he could attain on his own. Jesus said at the end of the parable, of these two men, it was the tax collector that went home justified because he humbled himself before God. Because he confessed his sin and recognized he didn't know everything. He didn't have everything figured out. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't righteous in his own right. He confessed, God, I need you. God, I need you. Have mercy on me. We need to learn humbleness because we like to project that we've got everything figured out and everything under control because we, you know, God forbid somebody knows that we are struggling with anything. So I thought about an illustration to kind of help us understand how important it is for us to really go before God and confess. If you go to your doctor and you tell your doctor you are perfectly fine, even though you have a terminal disease, your doctor can't help you. Your doctor's going to go, oh, you're doing well, good. We'll see you next year. And next year, you might not be around because you didn't confess what was really going on in your body. You didn't confess what was really going on in your life. You didn't tell him about the symptoms. You didn't tell him about the situation. You didn't tell him how you can't do this or can't do that. And when we come before God in prayer and we pretend like everything's all right and there's nothing to confess and there's nothing to repent from and there's nothing to be made righteous in Christ's blood, we're doing exactly the same thing. We're just coming before God pretending like he doesn't already know what's going on in our lives. And in order for him to help us, we have to confess if we come as those who have no need of him, we will go back home just as we came, not justified, not made right, not well with God. Before we try to justify ourselves or give all the reasons why God owes us, I want to remind you that you're speaking to the creator of the universe who owes you nothing owes you nothing. All he gives is out of his love and grace and mercy because you are his creation. I pray that we learn to go to God in humbleness as we pray, confess our sin, and get right with him every single day. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, O Lord, for this parable, Lord, because it speaks to the need for us to remember who we're talking to and to know the attitude with which we come to you. Help us, Lord, to come humble, recognizing that we don't know everything, that we don't have everything handled, that we always need more of you. Lord, today I pray for anybody who is in need this morning of paying you a visit at the altar, of paying you a visit right now, right here in this altar, just asking you, Lord, to have mercy on them, to have mercy on them because of their sin. Lord, all of us need your redemption. All of us need your grace. Help us to acknowledge our need of you this morning and to seek to be made righteous through your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The altar